is The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of The Chris Sheeran Show here on YesNetwork.com and the iTunes podcast, where you can get it for free 99. You can subscribe, uh, get it right to your smart device, and believe me, that makes you very smart. I hope I did that justice uh, for Chris Sheeran. I'm Lou DiPietro. Chris is off this week, so it's not really The Chris Sheeran Show this week. It's my show. Are you going to rename it? Retitle it? No, no it's The Chris Sheeran Show. You're right. no. yeah. I don't want to go through graphics and do deal that. with it. Uh, the other voice you hear is A.J. Herman. He is uh, my compadre, my Yankees compañera, as John Sterling would say. Well, compañero, because See, you're male. That, that would be true. Uh, A.J. is a fellow editor here at YesNetwork.com. Sits two cubes in front of me. Has to deal mm-hmm. with my shenanigans on a daily basis. Love him. Making his podcast debut in place of Chris Sheeran. Who was on vacation this big week? Big shoes to fill, but I'm excited. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's, it's a big week. I mean, you know, Chris had a birthday last week. He uh, yeah. then he goes on vacation. He gets a big win for the Bridgeport Brewers, which I'm sure he'll talk about when he returns. Definitely. So uh, big week, big 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 chair to fill. And, and might I add, you are sitting in Chris's chair. I did not pull a Don Lagreca and move over to the big chair this week, mostly because the phone's on this side. But yeah. You know, hey. Am I going to have to pay for that? Is Chris going to be mad that I, you know, I don't want to just swoop in here and act like I, I hey, own this place, just, you know? Just don't, like, lower it or, you know, I hate when somebody okay. messes with no, your chair kind of thing. It. Yeah. It's very comfortable. And thank you, Chris. We have a, we have a very packed show, actually, this week. And we, we were going to take the week off, um, as we do when one of us is on vacation. But too much is happening this week to do so. We'll get to the Nets a little later on. Devin Carperdian of the Brooklyn Game will join us to discuss the Nets' schedule. Uh, we'll talk about Geno Smith. Even though Gino can't talk about Gino Smith right now, uh, with Brandon Dowling from Jet He's Nation enjoying his applesauce right now. Uh, Brandon, Brandon Dowling from Jet Nation uh, Radio, one of our uh, Yes affiliates, will be uh, joining us a little bit later. We also have to start with the Yankees, who uh, since, we? since we last talked on the Chris Sheeran show have really, uh, really not given us much to talk about in the positive light as of late. I know AJ, you've been on the socials this last I have. week and. So you're getting to watch firsthand. The, plenty the, the, the of innings, sh- plenty yeah. of innings of uh, Yankees baseball. I'll tell you that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, the offense is sort of taking a break, and it, and it is the offense. And and a lot of the guys have said over the last couple of days, and even again last night, you know, McCann mentioned it, Gerard even mentioned it that the Yankees have swung the bats a little better the last couple of days, but they go they go through streaks. It just happens that this one's in August. That yeah. a seven game division lead is ill timed. You know, pared down to now they're in second place by percentage points in a half game. Yeah, and it is it is the offense. I wrote down these numbers. I was doing a little research before uh, before the show, and over the last seven games since they beat Boston thirteen to three in that outburst, in the oh, was a great one when Justin Wilson was pulled in the middle of an at bat and uh, the, <laughs> the Yankees exploded. That's right. Uh, Didi Gregorius is eight for twenty three with only one extra base hit, though. Carlos Beltran is 7-for-19 with five walks. Two of his hits are solo homers. Nobody else on the team has a batting average higher than 150. Tough to win games that way. It's tough. Yeah. Runs. Runs typically help in wins. I mean, Ellsbury's 2-for-27 over the last seven games. Gardner, 4-for-24, three walks. A-Rod, 4-for-28, three walks, one RBI. Tex, 4-for-28, two walks. McCann, 1-for-19 with two walks. Headley, 3-for-21 with four walks. Drew, 1-for-18. His one hit was the solo homer the other day in Cleveland. Chris Young's 0-for-11 over that span. John Ryan Murphy, 2-for-8. Brendan Ryan, 1-for-9. 
Not not a lot of hits up and down the lineup. I mean, like you can't point to one guy. You know, the cleanup hitter, the leadoff hitter. It's the the beginning of the entire lineup. It's tough. That's thirty thirty nine hits in seven games. Uh, What's that? Six five a game. I mean, that's that's not good. Yeah, they had four last night. One until an explosion last night. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, A lot of solo homers. I mean, a lot. I will say. I mean, it's tough to defend that, but. In the early goings, there were a lot of deep flyouts. Like, I'm really, you know, trying to put a positive spin on it, but they were cracking the ball to the warning track a lot. Gregorius, I thought, had a home run right after McCann, but it just got held up, uh, you know, in the atmosphere. But it seems like the bats, the contact is getting better. They're warming up a little bit. Um, you know, if there's any trajectory, I think it's it's an upward one, but... Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to point to the numbers. And the, the unfortunate thing is that the Yankees, who most fans have been disappointed with their lack of making a move of the deadline for a starter, but the starting pitching yeah. has been terrific. CC Sabathia pitched another quality start last night, his ninth of the year. Yep. Uh, you know, five quality starts in the last six for I the mean, Yankees. Can, can you ask for more than they've, that? They've, He's, yeah, they've lost five of those six games, yeah. but. It's really just a, a strange slump from from top to bottom. I mean, you you look at the numbers, and Hal Steinbrenner had comments on this that were played on the pregame last night um, from the owners' meetings about about the Yankees' moves and all that. And you know, their one move at the deadline has paid no dividends because Dustin Ackley has yeah. three at bats. <laughs> went right to the DL. Uh, went right to the DL. And Garrett Jones has been DFA'd, brought back, and then DFA'd Poor again. Um, although now apparently. Jack Curry was one of the first to report last night that Greg Bird will be getting called up today. Who's That's hitting right. 307, I believe, overall. Crushing or 277 it. overall, I'm sorry, uh, between AA and AAA this year. But like I said, I mean, CeCe's last two starts, he's gone six innings in both of them. Last night, two runs, nine hits, two walks, two Ks. Uh, the time before against Boston yeah, in the game they won. Great game last, before yep. last night. One earned run, three hits, three walks, eight Ks. I mean, probably CeCe's two best starts of the season and, back-to-back. And all eight of those Ks were swing and miss strikeouts, too. So yeah. that's that's how you really know. His and, stuff is sharp. I mean, he's he's pitched probably better than he has all year the yeah. last last week and a half. I would agree. Uh, you know, Avaldi went six and a third, only gave up one run in the first loss to Toronto. Avaldi's 11-2. and two. That's incredible. Yahoo, Yahoo Fantasy, if that? everyone plays fake baseball, had him pegged for eight wins and a four-and-a-half ERA. So 11-2, and two, leading the league in average fastball velocity, which me, I mean, as a fan, I, I love to watch a yeah. flamethrower. So that's, that's great. I mean, I'll, he does give up his fair yeah. amount of hits, but 11-2 speaks for itself. 98's only tough if it moves. True. So, you know, there's if that. Yeah, if it's up there. But even, you know, Tanaka, six innings, two runs against Toronto. The offense gave him nothing. Severino, six innings, two runs in Cleveland in that 16-inning affair. Yeah. You know, which burned out the bullpen and necessitated the Garrett Jones DFA version yeah. two. But, Yankees love yeah. those games. Just 15 innings, they, they it's not enough for them. Well, they have they two, of the, push it. two of the four longest games in the majors this year. So That's I, right. I, was, I sat through all 19 against Boston back in April and had a wedding the next day, <laughs> which was great. They care about their fans. They just want to give Yankees fans free baseball. It's a nice gesture, I think. Of that. They want to give you everything they've got for <laughs> you. But the point being is that the only non-quality start in the last week is Nova, and that was one mistake. He gave up, you know. Gave Justin Smoke a pitch Justin he can handle, and that was it. People. Yeah, that's right. So when the offense has scored seven runs or nine runs in seven games, and four of them were on Tuesday night in a 16-inning game. After averaging 10, 10 runs per game for the however many games before that, seven or that, that whole homestand. It's been a New York Mets situation. Pitching's been great, no yeah. offense whatsoever. It's it's kind of a strange role reversal given the Mets' uh, 
resurgence. Yeah, I mean they are playing the Rockies this week, so that's the old friend Jose Speaks Reyes right, so. happens to be back with the Rockies, though that's oddly right. enough. And but Boone uh, Logan, he's a, he's in the Rockies. Booney, right? uh, Booney, it's Booney's, his birthday today, actually. Booney gave up a couple the other night. I he saw, was not yeah. so good. He almost almost <laughs> killed Curtis Granderson with a slider. That's right. Yes, but Failed it's uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, Greg Bird coming up today. The bird is the word per Jack Curry's reports. Yankees are in a stretch of 16 in a row. They're, they're two games in the 16 in a row. Um, and they're against some some good competition, namely Toronto, this weekend. Um, they That's going to be a heck of a series. <laughs> it is. They have Minnesota uh, coming to the stadium next week, as well as Cleveland for four, two of which are Andy Pettit, Jorge Posada Day next, uh, next weekend. So uh, that, that should be a good time, win, lose, or draw. But it, it's a big stretch before the Yankees' next off day on the 27th. And... Greg Bird is coming up. You know, Garrett Jones' role was he can play a little right field. If Beltran, you know, struggles, gets hurt, he can play first base. If Teixeira struggles, gets hurt. Bayrod, you know, doesn't perform. One of those guys gets shifted to DH every now and again. He can fill in. And all three of those guys, you know, Beltran's missed a little bit of time Mm -hmm. with a a couple of injuries. But for the most part, the three of them have been healthy most of the season. Jones hadn't played since the 29th of July. Yeah. Now, I know he was DFA'd and missed a few days in, in between there, but he had not played since the 29th of July, which was, mm-hmm. I think, 10 games ago for the Yankees, 11 games ago for the Yankees. They've had a couple days off. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bird, you know, he's coming up. He's going to be that guy now. They need a backup at first base, DH. You know, Chris Young has played well in the outfield. Um, he hasn't really hit, but neither has anybody else. So, <laughs> you know, over the last week. Yeah. But uh, this will be Bird's chance. You know, he might get even get in tonight with uh, Bauer pitching. You know, you never know if they, they yeah. throw him in there for Beltran or yeah, give Tex a blow. In his last 13 games, sorry to cut you off, it's, he's nope. been hitting 370 with seven extra base hits, three of which for homers, 12 RBIs, and an OPS of, uh, you know, 1,009. Thousand nine, I thousand guess. Nine. OPS is a weird stat. <laughs> I'm like not that. used to reading OPS is over a thousand. So yeah, yeah. It's he's been he's been ripping the cover off the ball, like you just said. And yeah. y- you know the other upside to this is Bird uh, being a draftee five years ago would have to be put on the 40 man roster this winter. So much like the Yankees did with John Ryan Murphy a couple years ago, where they brought him up in September to be the third catcher, and he was going to be on the 40 man anyway. You know, you, you bring Bird up, you can always option him back to the minors. However, if you do it in a certain amount of time, you need 20 days in the minors to burn an option. So he won't burn an option. Yeah. Not like he's going to need all three, I don't think. But Hopefully then not. he's on the 40-man roster next year. And, and by 2017, you know, when Teixeira's contract is up, he could be the guy. He so could be. A big moment for Greg Bird, who's always been great to us. Anytime yeah. we go to you know Trenton, Scranton, um, even back in, in Tampa in spring training a couple of years ago when he was coming off his breakout season at Charleston, always a, always a pleasure to talk to. So. Yeah. Congratulations to him. Another one of the many prospects. Is that, that are fourteen or fifteen it. guys now that make their major league I debut? Think he'll this be the fifteenth, I believe. Yeah, Severino, I think, was the fourteenth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I I just have been. It seems like this past week. I mean, Judge had a huge homer two nights ago. Uh, we had Ben Gamble with the walk off uh, inside, inside the, the park home run yeah. a couple nights before that. I think he had another home run last night. Uh, you obviously have Sanchez and. Um, 
oh, I'm thinking of Bird too, but yeah. they're, it's they're they're loaded at the Triple A level. It's and Kyle Roller and Austin Romine are Triple A All Stars. Yeah, yeah so. exactly. Well, we've talked to you know, as you know, and as those of you who astutely listen to our podcast, we've talked to Donnie Collins, we've talked to John Sadak, we've talked to the guys down in Scranton who've all mentioned it. you know mentioned these guys all season. And Scranton's in first place in the International That's League right. North. They're tough to ignore. Trenton's doing very well, despite the fact that all of their prospects have been called up, and they've had the, yeah. they've had even Everyone. more of a roster shuffle. Yeah. So uh, it's a good year to be the Bombers. It's promising. It's a promising sign. I mean, for I think most most Yankee fans, I would say, are probably used to the whole we're going to package our prospects up, ship them out for an awesome you know guy right in his prime, or maybe towards the latter half of his prime, big money. But it seems like. Yep. You know, with not dealing Severino, with all these kinds of prospects still in the farm system that the Yankees are uh, they're trying to keep a hold of these young guys, which and, is great. And that was part of what uh, Hal Steinbrenner said that was shown, like I said yesterday on the pregame show, that, you know, he wasn't going to package the future for a guy who's going to be a three-month rental yeah. or, you know. Sure, yeah. the Royals got Johnny Cueto and made him very dangerous. And, you know, the Rangers got Cole Hamels, which will make them dangerous. They're only a couple games out, you know, in the loss column for a playoff spot right now. Mm-hmm. But at what price? You know, Brandon yeah. Finnegan, we saw him come up last year and make his Major League debut in September for the Royals at the Yankee Royals, Stadium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could it be a great left-handed starter, or at the very least a huge weapon in the bullpen. They gave him up along with a couple other good prospects. It was a six for two trade to Philly, <laughs> you know, for Cole Hamels. They, they got rid of like Matt their, Harrison, their, who's been good for them. They're second through like ninth ranked prospects in their system. They just got like rid of half of them, just all their top, you know, that top was, ten guys. That was the Rangers' karma for the Teixeira trade that brought them five major league, five eventual major leaguers for Teixeira and and yeah. a relief pitcher who lasted all of a year in Atlanta before getting shipped to LA. So that's that's there the Rangers' go. back half karma. <laughs> For that one, I mean, they still got Elvis Andrews. Harrison was one of the guys in that deal, actually. Yeah. He uh, now he's in, now he's in Philly. But Harrison was in that deal. Elvis Andrews was in that deal. That, that was a that was a good one for Texas. Sure, worked out well. Yeah. But we we digress uh, from the Yankees to something that I know is near and dear to AJ's heart, and that's the New York Football Jets. Uh, who really near and dear is quite a stretch. The only the only <laughs> thing you can really say is, LOL Jets. Lol Jets. Uh, I yeah. mean, obviously, word broke of this on Tuesday. Geno Smith got uh, got knocked out, got his jaw jacked, literally, yep. in the locker room by IK and Impala. Deflate face. Deflate face deflate is one face. Uh, New York uh, headline oh. called it. Yeah. IK and Impala doing more in, in one one swift motion in the locker room than he ever will in his career, most likely. Yeah. They say football is generally a phrase is, you know, you got to hit him in the mouth. But yeah, that's, not literally no. and not your quarterback. Not that's, the starting That's not the smash mouth football Todd no. Bowles wants. It's not. It's, uh, yeah. But the spring's Some about, say he threw the first punch, but that is actually intercepted. That's what I've heard yes, in the that, locker room. Yes, but yes. I, it's speculation. It's speculation. Hey, you know, it's Gino. Uh, <laughs> it is Gino. Whether or not he wagged his finger in the guy's face, regardless of what happened, you can't cold cock your anybody, let alone the starting quarterback, no. in the face, in the locker room. But this brings about now two very interesting uh, developments because of this. Number one, Anna Polly was was canned immediately. And of all people, Rex Ryan and the Buffalo Bills. His old buddy. Who, uh, you know, if we didn't think this guy could help our team, we wouldn't sign him. Yeah. All right. Sure. That's the equivalent of the checks in the mail, I guess, for, for, for a football coach. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the other development is Ryan Fitzpatrick is now the number one quarterback in, in, in New York for the time being with Bryce Petty mm-hmm. behind him. And I'm sure... 
you know, word has it that, you know, they've reached out to Rex Grossman. They're working at Tyler Thigpen this week. Yes. Jared Lorenzen uh, actually got up off his couch to tweet. Did to, he? Uh, oh, yeah. To tweet at the Jets offering his services. Weekly, uh, his weekly workout routine. He, yeah. he looked like me in a football jersey, but that's okay. <laughs> But yeah. uh, you know Fitzpatrick now is the guy, and he's he's got the experience. He does, I, and I think I, I I am a Jets fan, and I'm I shamefully admit that I'm sort of a fair weather Jets fan, at least in recent years, because it's just so depressing when you know already through week three or four that your season is over. It's hard to get yourself to watch the games, and I I acknowledge it's not the best way to support your team. But for me, I always thought this was it was going to be. Gino's job to take from Fitzpatrick in this offseason. I know obviously Gino has been the starter, but Fitzpatrick, as you said, has veteran experience. He's played on a number of teams. The Jets are not going to be, you know, the Brett Favre offense of older days. They're going to be mostly running it, mostly keeping the scores low with that fantastic defense, which I still think is going to be top three in the league. It's loaded. Um, but, you know, Fitzpatrick can go out there. Go seven for nine, or hopefully better than that. Just keep it, keep you know, damage control, like uh, Alex Smith. Game management, exactly, really is is the way to sure. describe. It. Even with Brandon Marshall and Decker and all his weapons, he's got the guys <laughs> yeah. to stretch the field. It's now a again. shame they splurge on those great receiving weapons, and now. Well, the the other thing about it too the that that many Jets fans have, have taken to on Twitter, and you know, we'll get some reaction on this shortly. But what happens if Fitzpatrick? Is a little bit more than a game area. What happens if Geno Smith comes back in ten weeks and the Jets are you know five and two? Do, Boy, I would love you, that. Do, I would do, love do you, that. Do you sit Geno down and go look? Yeah. I mean, why why mess up a good thing? Just I, just let him. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a football coach though, and I know that's well, this not is, how these political things end this up. This is almost out. this is almost the opposite of what we just talked about with Garrett Jones. With he's brought in because you figure that he's going to have a need, and, and they had no need. Yeah. What happens now if Fitzpatrick has the Jets rolling? Do you sit Geno? I mean, I mean, this is not a this is not a Kurt Warner Eli Manning situation from a decade ago, no. where you knew, regardless of how well the Giants played, that Warner was Warner, there to keep yeah. the seat warm. This down. is now, exactly. you know, it's not like Geno Smith has proven himself to be an elite quarterback or even a good quarterback at times. Certainly in the NFL. not. Was it twenty twenty eight touchdowns and thirty four interceptions? Something Some, like that. Something yeah. Near so that in his uh, his early career, yeah. I don't. I would. I would say ride the hot horse with Fitzpatrick. I mean, don't. Don't roll the dice if you're if you're five, we're five and two through seven weeks. Stick with it. Stick sh- with that formula. You got to strike while the iron's hot too, especially if Tom Brady misses any or all of the, those four games at the beginning yeah. of the year. Who knows That's what uh, what the AFC East could look like? But let's bring in let's bring in our first guest now to, to talk about this. We'll bring yes. in uh, Brandon Dowling from Jet Nation Radio, uh, Jet Nation, one of our Yes Network affiliate blogs that covers all things gangrene, including uh, their Floyd Mayweather impressions in the <laughs> locker room. Uh, Brandon, how's it going? Thanks for joining us. Doing good. Getting ready for uh, the start of the season tonight. Game one starts tonight. We do have game one just hours away as we tape. And uh, as AJ and I were just talking about before you came on, it's it's the Ryan Fitzpatrick era. Uh, we'll get to that momentarily. But first, I mean, we have to get your take and your you know inside knowledge on, uh, as AJ called it, deflate face with uh, Geno <laughs> Smith and, and IK and Polly. This is not a good way for the Todd Bowles era to start at all. No, it's it, it's definitely not. And I mean, this is this is a situation now where the Jets are in a bind. And you know, where, when you start your season off, especially when you're coming into last year, 
where, you know, you, you had one of the worst seasons the franchise has seen in a very long time, especially with the situation with the head coach and the quarterback, where we really didn't know what was going to happen coming into this year with the Jets, uh, especially when, you know, there were talks of adding a quarterback, you know, drafting a quarterback, what the situation was going to be with Geno Smith. And he starts off training camp, you know, starting training camp by, you know, going into it with a positive attitude, with a positive look. And he started off training camp doing really well, and, you know, he was off on the right track. And then all of a sudden this happens. Um, you know, this is something, in my opinion, that I said it all along uh, on our show on Jet Nation that this is a make-or-break year for Geno Smith, where there's nobody out there that has confidence in Geno Smith other than himself. And I don't even know if he has confidence in himself. And my, my take on this situation is, is simple. It's just stupid. There's, there's no excuse for it on all parties. You know, as, as much as we want to blame the linebacker, I.K., who punched him in the jaw, you know, there's, there's a reason for it. And, you know, if Geno Smith is the leader and, like, a quarterback should be, you know, this situation should have never transpired. And, uh, unfortunately for him, you know, he's going to get a second opinion um, and, and see what happens from there. And, uh, you know, he's going to be out for some time. And if you're Geno Smith, you know, it's one of the worst times to be out because nobody in that organization has any loyalty to you. So if Ryan Fitzpatrick comes out and, like Todd Bowles says, you start 3-4-5-0, Geno Smith is not going to get his job back. That's something AJ and I just talked about also before you came on the air is what happens in week, you know, five, six when Smith comes back after missing six to ten or more and the Jets are rolling, especially if Tom Brady misses any or all of the four games he's suspended for and the Patriots stumble out of the gates. I mean, you got to ride the hot hand, right? Oh, absolutely. There's the thing with Geno Smith now is, like I said before, there's no loyalty from this coach or the general manager. They didn't bring Geno Smith in here, they didn't draft Geno Smith. They have no loyalty to Geno Smith. The only loyalty they have is to making this team better and to improving the team for the fans. That's it. If Geno Smith comes back and Ryan Fitzpatrick is, you know, doing what it takes to win, and that's all it's going to take with this Jets team. If you get a quarterback out there that doesn't make mistakes, doesn't shoot yourself in the foot, and doesn't, you know, affect the game negative, then the Jets are going to stay with the hot hand. The Geno Smith is owed nothing from this team. He hasn't earned anything. So this setback for him, I, I mean – if Ryan Fitzpatrick is hot and is playing at a high level and even a decent level, then you could have seen the last of Geno Smith as quarterback of the New York Jets. Do you think, I would say, there, it seems like there's been a lot of blame on both uh, N.M. Polly and even on Smith, but would you put any blame on the team for not having, I mean, regardless of whether Geno is not, you know, he's not Tom Brady, he's not Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning but right. don't you think, if that's your starting quarterback for the Jets, shouldn't the team have his back? Shouldn't they have defended him, come to his aid, something? Absolutely. And I also look at the head coach. I mean, you're, you're a first-year head coach, and what has Todd Bowles been preaching since he got here? You know, his, his personality is he's a disciplinarian type of coach. He's the opposite of Rex Ryan. He doesn't want to talk to the media that much. He wants to install a discipline into his players. And... What happens? Their starting, quarter, starting quarterback gets punched in the face and is has a broken jaw and is out for six to ten weeks. So, I mean, as much blame as you want to put, like you said, on Smith and IK, you have to look at the team and you have to look at the coach. If you see an altercation with your starting quarterback, you have to break that up immediately. Not to say that, you know, other people of the team aren't just as important, but that's your starting quarterback. That's number one on your team. You will live or die with your starting quarterback in the NFL. For that situation to occur in that locker room, it tells a lot 
about the type of situation the Jets are in, and it tells you a lot about the head coach already. One thing I found I found interesting, Brandon, is you know you you saw the the post melee press conferences between Fitzpatrick and Bowles and everybody that that came up and spoke to the media afterwards, and you know. Fitzpatrick obviously gave his company line, well, I'm going to do my job, and this is unfortunate, and yada, yada, yada. You know, didn't want to give the Wally right. Pip speech. But, right. you know, Bowles was kind of on an even keel, and just he Todd Bowles is who he is, and, and we've known that of him, you know, in his time as an assistant right. throughout the league. Nick Mengold seemed very, very rattled by this in his press conference, whereas on the other side, Darrell Rivas was just like, yeah, this kind of stinks, but, you know, you can't let this happen, but we got to move on. Like, he was almost not, I don't want to say not phased by it, but... He seemed nonplussed by the issue, which which brings back to the thing, you know, does even maybe the players in the locker room not have any loyalty to Geno Smith, thinking Fitzpatrick may be the better answer? Well, I mean, that's the starting center of this team is is the quarterback of the offensive line, so his opinion definitely holds a lot of value, especially. So, you know, I think Nick Mangold is shaken by it because, you know, if there's one guy on your team that needs to be protected more than anybody else, it's the starting quarterback, no question. I mean, Darrell Revis probably is, is one of those guys that's like, hey, you know, our defense is going to do our part. Let's see what the offense does. I mean, I don't, know. I don't know if he's just trying to be the voice of reason and basically say, yeah, no worries about it. You know, if they don't score on us, then we're not going to have to worry who the quarterback is, that type of mentality. Um, I think a lot of the players are, are, you know, on the fence about Geno Smith. How could you not be? I mean, they have opinions of players just like you and I do. So if you know if one player thinks Geno Smith is the guy and is the answer, and one player doesn't, you know that's how they're they're going to react accordingly. If Darrell Rivas sees Ryan Fitzpatrick as a veteran guy who can lead this team, you know, to some wins, and he thinks that he can get the job done, then Darrell Rivas is not going to care. If Nick Mangold views it as, you know, I've been with this guy the past couple seasons, and you know, I really feel like this is going to be the year he turns around. It's a shame that it happened to him. Then he's going to react differently. So I think that everybody has. Everybody in the Jets locker room has different opinions of Geno Smith and different opinions of Ryan Fitzpatrick. The players that were on the team last year, they saw Geno Smith implode. So in their minds, they might be saying, well, I don't want to see that happen again. Let's give somebody else a shot. And the way the Jets will look at it is, well, you know, we have to have some type of future at quarterback in this organization. So let's get Geno Smith be the starting quarterback, let him earn the job, obviously, make it his job to lose, and see where it takes them from there. Because if Ryan Fitzpatrick is your starting quarterback week one and Geno Smith is on the bench, it tells you a lot where the organization is as a whole with the quarterback position. Yeah, and you sort of mentioned on it, mentioned it, the uh, the future of that quarterback position. Let's say Fitzpatrick maybe doesn't, maybe stumbles out of the gate or doesn't quite have you know what it, what it takes to win football games for the Jets. What do you uh, what do you think happens then? Does Bryce Petty get his first chance, or is he is he still too raw? I don't, I don't think that they're, I don't think they're an injury, of course, if an injury happens to Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I don't think that the Jets really do anything other than just trot out Fitzpatrick for a couple weeks in the beginning of the year and hope for the best. I mean, in my, in my opinion, and again, now I am not saying a broken jaw is a light injury whatsoever, but, you know, from just from viewing it as a fan and as an analyst, you know, a broken jaw is not going to affect your arms. So I don't know how, Geno Smith recovery time, if it's going to be six to ten weeks, if Ryan Fitzpatrick is struggling during preseason, if they kind of, you know, vamp up Geno Smith's rehab and kind of see if they can trot him out there, I don't know. I think that if Ryan Fitzpatrick is a starting quarterback week one, they're going to see what they can do for the first couple weeks. And obviously, 
with the week one game against the Browns is going to help because you're not going up against the best of the best. Um, you're not seeing any division opponents in the first couple weeks of the season. So that'll help the Jets in their favor if they don't have Geno Smith. But again, at the end of the day, how much better is Geno Smith than Ryan Fitzpatrick? That's a question that, you know, Jets fans were hoping would be answered in the preseason, but now it's, it's kind of a one-sided affair. And before we move on to the preseason game, I just want to ask, you know, the, the other sure. strange fallout of this Smith situation is that IKN and Polly is now a Buffalo Bill. Of all people, mm-hmm. Rex Ryan, you know, who did draft, he was the coach last year when they drafted Ann and Polly in the last regime. Does anyone in the world, including possibly even Rex Ryan, believe anything Rex Ryan said about if we don't think this guy could help us win football games, he wouldn't be here? Or is this simply, this guy was there, we're bringing him in now, and it's kind of like an in-your-face move to maybe get a little bit more of the Jets' uh, pulse? Oh, this is 110%. Rex Ryan being Rex Ryan, and this is an in-your-face move. There is no way that when Rex Ryan puts his head on his pillow at night that he believes that IK is going to help the Buffalo Bills win football games this year. It's very simple. When the Jets play the Bills, he's going to trot him out there, probably with the captains against the Jets. He's going to put him out there at linebacker against Geno Smith, and if it gets causes Geno Smith to you know, ruffle his feathers a little bit and throw an interception, it was worth claiming him off of waivers. I mean, this is it's Rex being Rex. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. There's, they'll, they'll say the right things because they have to, but in the locker room you know that they're having a conversation about Geno Smith, about the Jets, and it's, and it's, it's just sticking to him. You know, that's what they're trying to do. It's, he got fired by the Jets. He definitely feels slighted by the Jets. And, you know, what other way to do it than take advantage of another PR mishap by the Jets than signing the guy who caused it? The biggest PR mishap, perhaps, in Jets history there, Rex Ryan, with some of the things he said he did. Something. All right, let's move on to, to tonight. We have the uh, the Jets at the Lions uh, opening the preseason. Preseason game number one is, in any sport, is next to nothing, tells you next to nothing about the team. But what, if anything, Jets fans watching tonight, Ryan Fitzpatrick aside, what, if anything, should Jets fans be looking for or hoping for out of this first preseason game? Well, I just hope that we don't see uh, – last preseason game I remember against the Lions to start, Mark Sanchez threw a pick six on the first play, and uh, we're off to the races. So, I mean, I'm hoping that we see some type of positives on the offensive side of the ball. Because, you know, let's be honest, with the defense that the Jets have, with the personnel that they have on defense, the defense is going to do well. The defense is probably going to be a top-five defense. They're going to be one of the better units in the league. They spent a lot of money on that secondary, and they have a lot of top players playing on the defensive side of the ball. The question is, are you going to score points? You're getting a new offensive coordinator, new offensive system, new quarterback now, new wide receiving crew. So there's a lot of more questions on the offensive side of the ball than there is the defensive side of the ball. So tonight, I want to see how Ryan Fitzpatrick reacts to being the starting quarterback, first off, because... It's going to tell, even though it's the preseason, you know, he's going to be leading the troops out there. It's his first time starting quarterback for the Jets. It's going to tell you a lot about him. You know, if he has a good series or two, you sit him down, you look at it as a positive. If he comes out there and he can't hit water if he fell out of a boat, well, then you're going to be in trouble if you're a Jet fan because he's not seizing the opportunity that was given to him. Are there any other positional battles on either side of the ball, you know, that you could see maybe some guy having a great breakout game tonight or something that maybe will get Jets fans' attentions or the uh, the attention of the coaching staff, maybe that will advance them up the depth chart at all? Well, 
I mean, you look at the running back position, you look at Jack Stacey, you look at Chris Ivory, you look at Daryl Richardson. I mean, the running back position, they're, they're not going to carry four or five running backs to start the year. It's just not going to happen. So, I mean, they really have to kind of wean out who they want as your, what you would say, your three-headed attack, basically, in the running game. Um, I look at the wide receiver, you know, Chris Owusu has uh, been climbing up the depth chart for the Jets, so that's going to be an interesting position battle to watch. Right guard with Brian Wears and Willie Colon. I mean, that's going to be an interesting um, position battle to watch. And then you're going to have, again, you know, it comes back to the quarterback position. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick has been given the keys to the car, and if he can't drive it the way the Jets are looking for him to, then it's going to be difficult to see, you know, what type of direction they're going to go in while Geno Smith is rehabbing. Last question for you, Brandon. Along those same lines, you know, there's guys that can impress. The preseason always, you know, Victor Cruz a couple years ago is, is a name that comes to mind. Just guys impressing and look where he is now. Given what the Jets have in camp right now, given where they may go and with the Fitzpatrick thing, what do you see early on, you know, gun to your head outlook? What do you see early on as, as the Jets' outlook for the entire season as we sit on the precipice of week one of the preseason? Hmm. Interesting. So, I mean, there's, you know, if you ask me this question, Yesterday, before or two days ago, before Geno Smith got dropped, like uh, by Mike Tyson, aka IK, uh, I mean, I might have answered it differently, but I think that the Jets as a whole are are a good unit in terms of you know the pieces that they've added as a team as a whole. Um, the question marks on the offensive side of the ball, you know, do bring a lot of concerns in terms of how this team is going to score points and how they're going to move the ball on the offensive side. Um, I mean, their defense is going, in my opinion, could be the best in football. So I think that's going to help them win a lot of games. And as I look at this Jets team as a whole, and I say gun to my head, you know, I'm looking at an 8-9-7 eight, eight, and seven football team. I really am. I mean, I, I've seen, as a fan, you know, Jet teams that had Mark Sanchez as a starting quarterback, you know, with very vaunted defenses that hid a lot of the um, mistakes that the quarterback and the offense made, and they won football games based off their defense. I think this team has that type of capability, if not a better defense, because, you know, the teams that were winning and going to AFC Championship games with the Jets, they ran the ball a lot, and their quarterback was kind of hidden, but they also had a great defense. I think this team as a whole and this defense, their their line, their defensive line, has never been this good before with a, with a back-end secondary like it is right now. So I see the Jets as, as a fighting for 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and, and there are just going to be some games – um, you know, early on in the year that are going to make or break them. And, and I think right off the bat, I think week one, if you don't win week one against the Browns at home, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. And I know that, you know, it's very early to say that, and you start 0-1, and, and, you're, and, you know, people, the football season hasn't really sunk in yet. But when you look at the Jets' schedule and you look at games and you say, if you want to come close to making the playoffs, you have to win. Week one against the Browns is one of their biggest games of the year. It's almost like last year when we sat and we saw week one against the Raiders at home and then we looked at their schedule, we said, well, if you don't win week one against the Raiders, when are you going to win? You're starting 0-10, yeah. That's the thing. Well, we'll see see what happens tonight. We'll see what happens week one. It's the Ryan Fitzpatrick show either way. Brandon Dowling from Jet Nation. You have your own uh, Jet Nation radio as well uh, that can give fans more insight on a weekly basis if you want to give that a quick plug. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We've got two shows now on Jet Nation radio. My show, the Brandon Dowling show, is on Thursday nights at 8 o'clock. Um, of course, on the link is blogtalkradio.com backslash JetNation. You can follow me on Twitter at Dowling Brandon. And then we also have uh, Joe Vinny and the Jets on Tuesday nights at 8 as well. 
So lots of stuff going on at Jet Nation. So we'll have a little bit more from Brandon tonight in the midst of the game. So that should be an interesting record. And uh, then Tuesday night. Brandon, thanks for joining us. As always, we hope to hear from you again in the future. Thanks, Brandon. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, guys. Take care. That was Brandon Dowling of Jet Nation and Jet Nation Radio, one of our Yes Network affiliate blogs to cover Gang Green. I like that he said they still have a shot to go nine and seven. I have a I have a a huge fifty dollar bet riding on the Jets winning nine games this year. So if that's true, hey, I'm a rich man. They won what four last year? So you know you gotta gotta take what you can get <laughs> there. Four. I don't know why they won the last couple they won, even though they were obviously fighting for the number trying one. Trying to get the you know it worked out. They got pick, they, they got Leonard Williams, who many people thought was the best player in the draft, and you heard nothing about him with Revis and Gino and all this other yeah. stuff going on. It's their defensive kinda... line is going to be scary good, and that's what I'm most excited about as a Jets fan is to watch that defense. Yeah, come week five <sighs> too, when excited. Richardson is back, and you've got him, Wilkerson, and, and Williams. I mean, that's yeah, Richardson three three studs yeah. right there. Well, we'll see what we get out of the Jets tonight. Um, I'm sure Chris and I will discuss that in the Giants opener next week. Uh, we do know the opener for the Nets now, segueing to another team who ends in Nets. Um, we, I feel like we should cover the Mets today, too. Just Nets, Jets, nah. Nets, nah. Bretts, anybody. <laughs> uh, the, the NBA schedule uh, was released last night. Uh, and the Nets will open at home October 28th against the Chicago Bulls. Doubles. At Barclays Center. The only time the Bulls will be visiting Brooklyn, too. So, if you're Opening a Bulls night. fan, this is your chance. Book your tickets. This is your chance to see uh, Pau Gasol and company. Uh, G- Jimmy Butler. D. Rose and them. D. And Rose the Nets, doesn't hurt himself by then. Yeah. The, Net, <laughs> the Nets, you know, they've struggled the last couple of years early on in the season, and they have a brutal. Yeah. Uh, opening stretch. Their first ten games, they 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 open at home against Chicago. Then they go to San Antonio and Memphis, home for Milwaukee, who's a very good team with the Jason Kidd return yeah. now not being a specter over it. I saw a fact. Sorry to interrupt, but the Milwaukee Bucks are opening their season at home this year for the first time since 1984, I believe. Well, last year was the first time since 1984 that they've been good, right? I mean, it seems that way. <laughs> yeah. So that's a fair since point. Since the Sam Cassell Michael Red era, anyway. Yeah. After that Milwaukee game, they go to Atlanta. Come these, home. These are all playoff teams. By come the way. home for the Lakers, who won't not be as bad as team, yeah. They won't be as bad as they were last year, though. Kobe should certainly be not around. You know, they, they've D'Angelo got Angelo Russell. Right, it's going to be great. Julius Randle. Yeah. Uh, then they go to Milwaukee, Houston, Sacramento, Golden State. The you, only yeah. Can you see the Nets being two and eight after ten games? Because that's well, brutal. It's brutal for for any team. For any Even team. you know the Nets. You know they had, you know they they brought back their guys Lopez, Joe Johnson, uh, yep. Williams is not with the team anymore. But for any team, even a playoff team, to face that tough stretch out of the gate is you just don't want to get your season off on that type of note, which is unfortunate for them. Well, Darren Williams will be back uh, once December twenty third, so an he early Christmas present for Nets fans who want to. Boy, uh, that will be a loud Barkley Center. I can I can oof. imagine. On a, I think that's a, a Wednesday night, right before Christmas. People mm. might have the next couple of days off. That that's oh. going to be a sellout, and it's going to be loud. Quite an environment. Yes. And I'm sure I will be working at Barclays that night, so I can't wait to see it. <laughs> Another man we know can't wait to see it is our good friend of the program, Devin Carperdian, the managing editor and co-founder of the Brooklyn Game and guru of all things black and white in Brooklyn. Devin, how's it going? Thanks for joining us. It's good. I actually turned Brooklyn black and white. There's no more color here. So that's, that's perfect. It's a great, great way to describe it. Just shades of gray in between, right? 
Yeah, everything is a shade of gray. First question we've got to ask you, and, and you know, you you did uh, you did some some introspection and some uh, forward looking thoughts on the net schedule on the BrooklynGame.com last night uh, after the schedule release. I mean, are we gonna are we gonna head into mid November here with the Nets at two and eight with that brutal ten game stretch to open the season? I mean, it's it's hard to say that you won't. I mean, obviously, anything is possible. The Nets always find a way to win weird games. They beat the Warriors at home last year and the Cavs, the Clippers, but. That's a brutal start to the season. I mean, if you're if you're the Nets and you want to schedule, you want to start off with maybe at least one 76ers game or one game against, you know, a few games at home. But Knicks, that maybe. early stretch, I think it's four and five games on the road, most of them against guys who are contending or are going to be playoff teams. I think 12 of their first 16 or 11 of their first 16 are against teams who were in the playoffs last year. Like, that is a very, very difficult stretch. And, like, the Nets have historically, at least in the last few years, struggled to open the season. They've always had kind of rough starts. They were 10-21 and 21 under Kidd. They were, I don't remember the record last year, but they were well under 500 uh, for most of the first half of the season and throughout. Um, so this is kind of a recipe for another rough start for the Nets. And we're looking at, like you said, these aren't, these aren't the 76ers or not even the Knicks or the Celtics or, or the Raptors. We're looking at the defending NBA champions on the road, the Western Conference finalists on the road, the Eastern Conference finalists on the road, and the San Antonio Spurs, who could have won about 15 NBA titles in the last 15 years, the way they played. This isn't even a middle of the pack, you know, all right, we've got to play these guys. Or this, is this is the cream of the crop right off the bat. Yeah, and then you have the Grizzlies, too. You have the Hawks, who obviously the Nets have a little bit of history with the past year. Um, the Bucks, who always make for fun television with the Nets because of Jason Kidd. And, and I mean, honestly, like that, you, you can see this team going into December, you know, 10 games under 500 really quickly because there, once you start bad, if you could snowball off of that, I mean, you might have a couple of bad losses. They could lose a couple of games to Charlotte. Um, you know, they could, they could drop one of their Detroit games if, you know, if Detroit is playing well with Andre Drummond. I mean, this is a really, really difficult stretch to open the season with the team. Now, the good news for them, is that that makes the middle of the year, there's a lot more home games, a lot more of those games that they, you know, they might be able to compete in. But, you know, unless they get a few surprise wins early, which, I mean, hey, we don't really know how good this team is going to be yet. Um, you know, they, they can, but if they don't get those surprise wins, they're, they're going to run into some trouble. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, where, I was just going to ask, where do you see the Nets maybe at the halfway point? Obviously, the Eastern Conference is not as good and nowhere near as good as the Western Conference. So maybe that will at least give the Nets half a chance to, uh, to, to get back into the playoffs for the fourth straight year, which would be great. But where, where do you see them falling, I guess, at the midway point? I think they're still competing for a playoff spot around that point. I mean, look, like I said, you remember, remember um, a couple of years ago when the, Nets, when the Nets turned over the new year in January and everything changed for a host of reasons. You turn over the new year in January with the schedule and there's all of a sudden a ton of three, four, five home game stretches. So there's chances to, you know, protect home court at Barclays Center, you know, maybe recoup some of the losses they had earlier in the year. And let's face it, the Eastern Conference is not that good. I mean, you, you can be a competitive team in the Eastern Conference fighting for a playoff spot, even if you're not, you know, on the level of the Golden State Warriors or the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like, they're going to have opportunities, and they have the talent, at least, to string out a few wins there. I think, and, and, and also I think how they go into the All-Star break is going to be a big deal because, that's when the trade deadline comes, and that's when they have to make decisions on, oh, are we going to you know, trade away the last year of Joe Johnson's deal? Are we going to make any other significant moves? If they're not fighting for a playoff spot at that point, I think you're going to see them try to make some of those moves. If they are, they'll probably stand pat. 
Well, I think you mentioned it last year, too. It's funny. They're not spending New Year's in San Antonio, Oklahoma City this year for the first year in a couple of years. They're actually a little Halloween in San Antonio this year. It's, it's a little different uh, look on the schedule. One game. They spend it in Florida, I think. I think their New Year's is going to be they're, they're facing Miami and then Orlando. I mean, that's a little different than <laughs> San Antonio, Oklahoma City. I'm sure it's a lot more exciting e- either yeah. way. <laughs> Uh, You know, one game I know everyone is looking forward to, regardless of when it happened on the schedule, and it's December 23rd. It's an early Christmas present at Barclays Center. It is the return of Darren Williams. And that's going to be, I will use the phrase, probably the most interesting game to be at Barclays Center for this year because if Darren Williams especially is playing very, very well for the Mavericks... I mean, the fans, this is going to be a merciless, uh, they're going to boom out of the building, I, I, I got to say, right? I mean, yeah, I, I mean, you would hope so. I mean, the, the worst thing that could happen is that they're totally different. You know what I mean? Like, that, that there's so little, that the, the Nets fans just don't care about Darren anymore. Like, I think, I think that what's going to happen is you're going to see a lot of fans who have been disappointed about how the last few years went. Um, you know, he came in with all these massive expectations. He thought they were going to take over in New York by storm, and then they got worse every single year. And then Darren clearly won it out by the end, and that's clearly won him out by the end. So I think that's going to be a really, really fun game to watch. We put up a thing this morning on the com about the 10 home games that you would want to go to above all else, and that game's number one. Because I just, I mean, even if the game itself is not particularly interesting, just to see the reaction, just to see how his old teammates react to him, see how Jared Jack goes at him because he's now taken his starting spot, to see how Darren reacts to the crowd, to see how Darren reacts to reporters asking questions he's not going to want to answer. I mean, that is going to be, from an entertainment standpoint off the court, probably the most entertaining game of the year. It's definitely going to be the one to watch. And, yeah. you know, maybe maybe it could be, as of now, the Nets have one national game, ESPN against the Knicks on, the, on December 4th. And it's it's going to be 80, uh, 80 others on the uh, on the Yes Network because this is, you know, is this a, a a statement on the state of the Nets? That sounds weird, but you know, they're they're really just they're not featured the biggest market in the country, not featured on national television yeah, at all outside of that one game against the Knicks. Yeah, and, and look, they're featured on Yes Network, which is the greatest regional network in the country. That is but, true. Amen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I mean, that, that's kind of a statement on where they are where the world thinks they're going to be now and what they're trying to become. You know, when they were building on, around Darren, J- Joe, and Brooke, and Jared Wallace, and Paul Pierce, and Kevin Garnett, it was all about trying to be in your face. And now there's kind of a switch in direction, and now it's about rebuilding. And that's not as interesting a national story, especially because the Nets don't have any draft picks. Um, so I think you're at a point where the Nets are not a kind of a big national story, but if you're a Nets fan, there are a lot of interesting things to watch for, which is why I think regionally it'll be it'll be a little more interesting. You can see Rondé Hollis-Jefferson develop. You can see how Brooke Lopez plays is now kind of the top-scoring dog. You can, you know, there's, there's more storylines, I think, from a regional standpoint than a national one. Um, and one thing that's kind of sad is that we're not seeing a Barclays Center on the national TV stage this year. Even that Barclays Center looks awesome on TV. I mean, the Herringbone yeah, court, that court, the black and white color scheme, the aesthetics, like, it's a great national TV court. And we're not, we're barely, but other than NBA TV, which, you know, you have to have to have, <laughs> um, you know, there's not there's not going to be any Barclays on TV, so that kind of stinks. But yes, network will benefit from it. We'll take the ratings. I'll welcome yeah. that. Yeah, we'll no take doubt. eighty games of Ian Eagle and, and Ryan Rucco and Spinarkle and Fratello and yeah. Donnie and anybody else I may have forgotten. In that More group. Ian the better, man. Yeah, <laughs> Ian Eagle, one of the best in the business. Uh, just sort of to go back to we we mentioned Darren Williams, how his 
exit from the Nets was kind of a turbulent one. Do you think his offensive contributions are going to be like a really sorely missed thing for the Nets, or do you think they're going to be able to fill in what he brought to the team last year? Uh, I think they're going to be sorely missed in the short term, but this team is not really building for the short term anymore. Like, Jared, this drop-off from, Jared, from Darren to Jared Jack on a game-by-game kind of providing structure basis is massive. I mean, Jared Jack was one of the worst point guards in the league last year from a plus-minus standpoint. Um, you know, he had five or six games where he absolutely took over and won the game, and then every other game was maddening and difficult to watch. So I think losing him from that standpoint is going to be really difficult. But it has been clear for some time now that Darren wanted out and the Nets wanted Darren out and the Nets players had issues with Darren, Nets organization issues with Darren, Darren issues with those people. And when that all comes to a head, I mean, you have to understand that this is not just, you know, an, an entertainment you know, venue. This is an organization that needs to have people that they want to work with. And if that's not possible, you just can't survive in an organization like that. So I think, you know, they're going to be worse on the court. Um, Jared Jack has to learn how to pass the Brooke Lopez real fast if they want to win games. But it's a decision that, you know, they needed to make so that they can move forward, they can get under the luxury tax, they can have salary cap space in the next couple of years uh, that they might not have had otherwise and retain the players they have. It's, it's one of those things where you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. But it, they kind of had to, at some point, move on to the next era of Brooklyn Nets basketball. Perhaps that next era of Brooklyn Nets basketball that you just mentioned, you know, you said Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, obviously the first-round pick, traded from Portland on draft night, could, could be part of that. And his development will be, you know, a storyline such as Bogdanovich's was last year. He played very well during the summer, as did Ryan Boatwright, actually. Speaking of point guards, you know, the UConn yeah. product played very well. The Nets had a few impressive performances in summer league, and we haven't talked to you really much since, since the summer league ended what did you see from any of those guys from Jefferson or even Boatwright or, or anyone down the line in summer league that maybe the Nets take a flyer on and bring forward and could be a part of this team coming into the beginning of the year? Well, with Hollis Jefferson, I think you saw a guy who is shooting a lot more than he will shoot on the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, I think there was one. I don't know what if the directive was, hey, take as many shots as you can and get used to have playing at a semi-NBA level, but that's what it seemed like. Um, I don't think he's going to be an offensive force right away, and I don't know if he'll ever be because he's a really, really shaky jumper. But that guy plays hard on the defensive end. That guy is a hound on the defensive end. I don't remember how many steals he averaged in, in summer league, and stats ultimately in summer league don't really matter. But you could just see the effort and the energy and the way that he kind of positions himself on and off the ball. That's something that the Nets really kind of lacked last, last year. They kind of lacked a lot of perimeter defense in the last few years. So that's a big thing. Um, some high uh, expectations for Hollis Jefferson put him in like an Andre Iguodala mold. I don't know if he'll ever get there, but it's a really interesting player comparison. And Boatwright's not scared to take big shots. I mean, you saw him hit a game winner in summer league. He ran the offense really well. Granted, it is summer league, but you know he seems like a kind of guy who will get an NBA flyer eventually. I don't know if it's going to be with the Nets this year, but he's somebody who clearly is on the radar of guys like Billy King and execs around the league. And one of the guys that's not though now is Earl Clark, who apparently you know requested waivers. That that's a very weird situation for the Nets, who picked him up, you know, signed him to the deal, and then all of a sudden he gets he gets kind of shuffled out without really getting much of a chance to do anything. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing about Clark is that they they picked him up when Thaddeus Young got hurt late last year, just for insurance. Um, he didn't really 
kind of pick up on what the Nets were trying to do in the last couple of series. A lot of the times we saw him have the ball, it was more like, okay, Earl Clark is trying to prove he belongs in the NBA. He's not trying to win basketball games for the Nets. And they're at the point where he had a non-guaranteed deal, and they were probably just going to waive him before the season anyway because he had a higher salary than a couple other guys, um, and he didn't really fit. So it makes sense. I mean, look, if Earl Clark wants to play, he probably wasn't getting that chance at the Nets. And so, you know, give him the release. Let him look overseas. Maybe he'll go back to China. He was dominating in China before he came over to the Nets. Um, and it kind of makes sense. And now there's not going to be a lot of room for him to play if Thaddeus Young is healthy. Uh, you know, if Quincy Miller gets his spot on this team, uh, you know, there's not really a space for him. I get it, and I hope he finds 27 and 10 every night in China. <laughs> well, maybe he'll be matched up against Greg Oden if, uh, you know, yeah. Oden's... And Andre Bletch, don't forget. And Andre Bletch, yeah. the, the hero of the Philippines national team. <laughs> being yeah, the best the player... You know, Andre Bletch. Being the best player in China or dominating the CBA sounds sort of like, you know, skinniest kid at fat camp type yeah, of compliment. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, some... but, that, but that's, I think it's Andre Bletch's dream. I mean, the guy's putting up like 31 and 15. He's probably living a, the lavish life in China. He's probably a legend over there like Stefan Marbury, like... Right. If I could do that, I mean, I mean I'm not going to say I wouldn't. I, you know, I mean, I saw too the the team that signed Odin. Uh, Von Wafer is one of their other like foreign players. I'm like, oh, Von Wafer, he's still alive. How about that? You know, <laughs> still alive. All right, I, I just have a question. Without, you know, let's say it's a tie ball game. There's one. There's one possession left. 24 seconds. Who, what, what do the Nets do? Is it Joe Johnson's last shot? Who is the guy that gets the ball in a must-score scenario? Probably. I think, I think probably Joe Johnson. I mean, he's earned that right over the last couple of years. Um, I, I, of course, being the basketball junkie that I am, would hope that they run something beyond a simple isolation. But assuming that they do, because most teams do, I think it goes to Joe um, that is if Jared is not stubborn enough to let the ball get out of his hands. I mean, Jared had a couple of game winners last year, too. Um, Sorry, but, but yeah, I think, I think Joe is the number one guy. Uh, maybe they'll use him as a decoy because they did that a couple times last year. But, you know, this, this team's offense still runs around Brooke and Joe Johnson. So I think it's, it'll go to him. One last question before we, we let you go, Devin. And as always, we appreciate you coming on the Lou DiPietro show this week. Um, <laughs> You're rebranding already. I love it. <laughs> Goodbye, Chris Sheard. <laughs> well, Chris, Chris will be back from vacation next week, and he'll probably take umbrage to that if he listens. But uh, with, with all the moves, everything that happened in free agency, the DeAndre Jordan, oops, I'm there, oops, I'm not saga, LaMarcus Aldridge going to make the Spurs bigger, the Knicks signing quantity over quality, everything that happened – there will be, like we said, 80-plus games on the Yes Network, so Nets fans will have a lot of opportunities to hear Ian Eagle call these names. From last year, we know Cleveland's going to be good. We know Atlanta's going to be good. We know the West is going to be 1 through 10, probably better than the East 1 through 4. Who among the NBA should the Nets fans be watching out for as perhaps the most improved or the mo- most up-and-coming or however you want to phrase that team to watch that's going to be a lot different than they were in 2014-15? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, the, the first team that comes to mind, not because they'll be very different, but because they'll be fascinating to watch for me, uh, is the San Antonio Spurs. Because what they basically did was replace Tiago Splitter with LaMarcus Aldridge, who's possibly the best power forward in the game right now. And how they integrate him next to Tim Duncan, how, if he fits in seamlessly, if he somehow messes up their chemistry, because that team has a, a solid core for over a decade now. That's going to be a very, very interesting thing to watch from a basketball standpoint. 
Um, the Knicks, I think, are going to be a really interesting story because you're going to have a healthy Carmelo Anthony. He's got actual NBA players around him right now, which is not something they had last year. Um, Chris Dapps is like a genetic mutation. I mean, the guy is I've never seen a human being that just looks like that. I mean, <laughs> just watching his development is really interesting. Um, and, and, you know, and beyond that, it's, the, the funny thing is I was looking at those, the games, like the top ten Nets games thing that I was doing, and I was thinking, are any of these games I don't really want to watch? Every team has some sort of interesting storyline. Every team has something about them that makes you want to watch, whether it's Carl Anthony Towns developing in Minnesota or if it's Kobe Bryant's last stand with the Lakers. Like, every team has something that's going to make them an intriguing team to watch develop or grow or continue their greatness. Like, this is, league is as good as it's ever been. And I, I mean, I'm excited to see all 30 teams. My league pass description is already ready to go. You mentioned Carl Anthony Towns, and I forgot to even mention that. Obviously, KG will be coming back to Brooklyn uh, once this year too. So that'll be that'll be a fun one to watch for the opposite reason of Darren Williams. <laughs> I'm sure, even though the Garnett era didn't go as well for Garnett or the Nets as anybody hoped, I'm sure he'll still Gotta get a KG. very uh, very good reaction from the from the fans when he comes back with Minnesota. Devin Carpardian of the Brooklyn game, the guru of all things Brooklyn for us here in the Yes Network and the Chris Sheeran Show. Thank you, as always, for the time, man. We will be talking to you early and often this season, I'm sure. You know it, man. All right. Take care, buddy. Thanks, Devin. You too. Always a good listen when Devin is uh, on the air with us. And, you know, I urge you to go check out the 10 games, 10 Nets home games to watch and all the other great content on the Brooklyn game. Another Yes Network affiliate. Um, he brought many. He, he brought up a good point too. That it, I I would agree that it's a shame that that beautiful Brooklyn hardwood court will not be shown nationwide nearly as much as it should be. Because forget about the Nets, that court and that I love it. I love I love a good Nets. It's game a fun in atmosphere inside Barclays. It sure when is. It's rocking too. You know, Devin mentioned the Spurs as being a team to watch with Aldridge, and obviously, you know, you'll get to see them two games into the season. Uh, the Knicks, there's one game in December, one in January, one in February, and one on April 1st. So you'll, you'll have the opportunity Cross-town to see that rivalry. team, that team, you know, that rivalry develop over yeah. early, early, mid, just after the all-star break. And then right at the end of the season. So that'll be interesting as well. Can I ask you a question? What team are you, are, if you're a basketball guy, I'm not really so sure oh, yeah. your basketball background, but what team are you most excited to watch besides the Spurs since Devin already took them? Well, being... There's no secret that I'm a Knicks fan. Um, so being this season, obviously, I'd like to see how the Knicks do That's with everything. It's going to be quite an experiment, the Porzingis era. The Porzingis era, the the, the Robin Lopez era. Brooke, Dirk 2.0. Brooke versus Robin four times this year instead That's of right. two as in the past. Uh, other than that, i, I got to be completely honest. The, the one team I'm really excited to look at is the Lakers. You know, they have not been great the last couple of years. Kobe's been in and out of the lineup with injuries. But they drafted, as you mentioned earlier, D'Angelo Russell uh, to run the point. Fantastic. Kobe should be back, and this possibly being his last season, it's maybe the last chance you have to see him when they come to Barclays. First full season for Randall. Yep. Julius Randall will be back after that broken leg that cost him a lot of time last year. Yep. They were a much different team at the the two times the Nets saw them last year, and, and they played a hell of a game right after the break in that trip out west. They're going to be a much different team, and Kobe's going to be Kobe. And you know, Is he, though? I see. I, I I think so. I predict a similar season. A few decent games, and then he'll get hurt, and then that's that. It's possible, but he's always <laughs> going to be great that. to watch. And, and yeah, they're, he's a legend. You know, they had two high draft picks, so they're 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 going to be a much different and a much Jordan better team. Jordan Clarkson, also a very good young player. Yeah. 
So I would say I would say I not to answer my own question, but I well I would have asked you the same thing. So go ahead. (laughs) I think our old friend Jason Kidd and the Bucks. That is just visually every one of those players are insanely long. They have crazy long arms and legs. They're getting Jabari back. They brought Greg Monroe in, who's a very very good power forward center. However, they end up using him, but. Jabari, another year of the Greek freak, who is probably the most exciting young player in It will give Chris a few chances to say his favorite name, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, I still struggle with that. But. Well, they, I mean, they see him twice in the first seven games. One, two, three, four, five. Twice in the first seven games. So that's... Yeah. Chris Middleton got himself a nice payday yeah. in the offseason. They're, they're, they're a frisky team, I think. And they put themselves on the map with a very solid season last year. So Absolutely. It's, it's going to be fun. Playoff team. What were they, the five seed? Uh, five, I believe, five, yes. Yeah. Five or six. So they... You know, they, uh, they're going to be fun to watch. And in other things Chris likes to say besides Giannis and Tedekumpo, <laughs> we've just about reached the magic hour that this show, the Chris Sheeran Show, is known for on YesNetwork.com and the iTunes podcast, which you can download for free 99 to your smart device. Insert plug here. My favorite part. Getting, getting good at that. I don't get to do that much, but I'm getting good at that. <laughs> but we have reached the Magic Hour, and we had a packed show. Devin Carparadian of the Brooklyn Game, Brandon Dowling from Great Jet guests, Nation, as always. AJ Herman from YesNetwork.com, oh, well, filling in for, thank you. for Chris, who will return next week. I'm sure we'll have uh, some fallout from Jets and Giants opening week next week. Uh, hopefully, the Yankees will be in a little better position. Yeah. Big series against big Toronto series. coming up this weekend. Big, big series. Um, and then, you know, heading into Andy Pettit and Jorge Posada Day, which will be a fun weekend at the Celebration. stadium. Celebration. Absolutely. And you never know. Other other things may come up. SummerSlam is next week at Barclays Center. So, you know, who, maybe we'll talk a little bit Who knows whose jaw might that. get broken at that point? I mean, who knows? hopefully the, not. The U.S. Open anyone? is a thing. So, maybe we'll talk <laughs> tennis. The you know we have the PGA Final major, going on. I was just going right? to say final major of the uh, PGA season. Can Spieth go three for four? How will Rory do? I mean, there's there's a lot of good storylines. How will Tiger do? Paired Tiger, up with Martin Timer and Keegan Bradley. That's I would an interesting be shocked career. if Tiger makes the cut. I don't think Rory on his bum ankle is going to threaten, and I do think Spieth wins it. That's my bold prediction. I think he does the Spieth Slam, the American Slam, the American Slam pulls three it for off four. at age was he twenty two. 21. He's yeah. I mean, he's he's going to be a force. Oh, the U.S. Open the same way. Will Serena? She's got the Serena Slam right now, but That's will right. she do the Calendar Slam? How's her elbow? She is unstoppable. Will will the she probably will. Will Rain preempt the finals on the opening weekend of uh, of the NFL season? Who knows? Things could happen. Anything could happen in the world of sports. That's going to do it for Beautiful. this edition of the Christian Show. Thank you for listening to us. Thank you again to our guests, Brandon Dowling from Jet Nation, Devin Carparity in the Brooklyn game, AJ Herman, my fellow uh, SNetwork.com I should be thanking editor you. for Appreciate coming in, it. sitting in Chris's seat for the hour and giving us some good content. Chris will be back next week. We'll be back next week with all the sports you can handle and then some. Until then, for AJ, I'm Lou DiPietro. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.